Turn with me. We will start in 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians. We'll be in Matthew chapter 28, and we'll be in Romans chapter 10, and maybe dip into a couple other places here and there. But obviously, uh, today we are celebrating. Uh, yes, we are slightly snobs at North Hills and many different areas, uh, but we are snobs particularly on this day. Uh, most of the world celebrates it as Easter, but as, as you've heard us this morning, we are very particular about celebrating it as Resurrection Sunday. So we do celebrate today as the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. It is one of the most significant moments in human history. Uh, and I say one of only because it is part of the redemptive history of man. Uh, it is part of the gospel narrative, as we call it, the gospel of, of Jesus Christ, the, the story of Jesus that we're going to look at and be reminded of here, especially in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is the passage that we turn to almost every Resurrection Sunday. Um, I hadn't kept track, but probably uh, five, six, seven times in the past 10 or 11 years of North Hills, we go to 1 Corinthians 15 to do exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1. So if you have your Bibles, let's start there in 1 Corinthians 1. Um, about as we look at this reminder, he says in 1 Corinthians 1, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. Now, if you've been with us any length of time at North Hills, you hear that term every week, the gospel. And you say, John, we don't need a reminder at North Hills because we talk about the gospel every single Sunday. Let's just talk about Easter and let's just talk about something else for a change. Let's mix it up a little bit on Resurrection Sunday. Well, we need a reminder, do we not? Especially on this Resurrection Sunday. And so especially at the heart of the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus is, is uh, ultimate here in the gospel of Jesus. And Paul knows this as he talks about the resurrection of Christ. He says, now I would remind you brothers of the gospel, which gospel, the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And we're going to talk about that vanity here in a minute. But you see just how important this gospel is. It is the gospel by which the church at Corinth here, these Corinthians, these believers that they stand on, that they're holding fast to, that their belief is rooted in this gospel of their salvation. And this is the resurrection of Christ that is uh, that it hinges on this gospel. And this is the gospel that he is writing to remind them of. And so the resurrection is really important. And so the resurrection is what we are talking about this morning. And he is writing to remind them of it. So he continues, For I delivered to you as of first importance. What I, all, what I also received. And he kind of summarizes the gospel for the Corinthians here. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. That He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles. Now he's not just being all shucks here, and this is interesting. Uh, 
For I am the least of all the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is, that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this, this text and the many others that we will walk through this morning, Lord, that we come to to be reminded of the gospel and to be reminded of the resurrection and the power of Christ and what Christ has done for us this morning. For he is risen and he is risen indeed. And what that means for us, what that means for believers and what that means for those who have yet to believe and the hope that that brings. Thank you for Christ and thank you for your word and thank you for this Resurrection Sunday that we can look to Jesus. In his name we do pray. Amen. So this morning, the, the question is, is direction really that important? Is it worth the whole Sunday? Is it worth this Sunday for the world to turn their, their eyes to? Is it worth this Sunday to, to make a big deal of? Is, is it worth all of this attention of the resurrection? And the answer, of course, is absolutely. We need to be reminded of the resurrection. We need to be reminded of the gospel. And this is what Paul does for us in 1 Corinthians 15. And this is the resurrection that we'll be reminded of this morning. And so the resurrection of Christ, it validates the entire gospel. This is how important the resurrection is. It validates the entire gospel. As we continue here, not only does he remind the Corinthians of the gospel here in verses 3 through 11, he continues in verses 12 through 19 about what the resurrection specifically in the, is in the gospel narrative here. He says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? Because there are those, some of them say there is no resurrection. But if there is, is no resurrection of the dead, now I would call this, and as we kind of walk through this here briefly, I would call this a hopeless passage. Okay, this is a hypothetical. Paul is, is about to give us a lot of if statements here. If what Paul is saying were to be true, this is a very hopeless statement. Depending on how you count, I'm a big numbers guy, as most of you know, depending on how you count, there's at least four very hopeless words here. So listen carefully, and you may count more than four. But listen to what he says. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be p 
pitied. Now, the gospel is the good news that is full of hope. That passage right there that says, without the resurrection, if the resurrection didn't happen, if there is no resurrection of the dead, if Christ were not resurrection, then it is hopeless. And we are a people that should be pitied. But the resurrection did happen. The resurrection is that important to look to and to have our hope in the resurrection of Christ and that we will join him. The resurrection validates the entire gospel. And our hope is in the resurrection of Jesus. So we see just how important the resurrection is. Because the resurrection of Jesus is essential to our salvation. And because of this, the resurrection requires a response. The resurrection requires a response. And that's what we're going to look at briefly this morning there are three responses that the resurrection requires now responses are something that we don't particularly like a whole lot in our culture anymore do we we have become kind of a responseless generation because of information overload can you kind of relate to that maybe in your day-to-day life uh, we have become callous to responding Uh, we get so much junk in our day-to-day right Uh, for you know, generations past began with junk mail, right? I am the absolute worst. I wait till my mail just get, kind of gets in my tray in my front uh, foyer. It, start, it starts to topple. Then I'll just take it all and I'll go sit at my, my dining room table and it takes about 30 minutes and I just go through all of it. It's about that much trash, about that much good stuff. Then I put that back in the tray to let it stack up. So if you need me, don't mail me, okay? Because that's like the absolute worst. But whether it's junk mail or robocalls or even group text. Uh, nowadays the kids have a thing left on red right because they just like to leave you on red because we don't like to respond to things we don't like a response and we could probably get into the psychology of not responding to things and ultimately it's probably a pride issue the things that we value but we won't go there this morning but the resurrection requires a response we don't have uh, we don't have even an opportunity not to respond to the resurrection as we'll see but the resurrection requires response and three particular responses we want to look at this morning first is this the resurrection should move us to repentance the resurrection should move us to repentance to continue in our text this morning in verse 20 It says this, but in fact so this is not a hopeless passage we know the gospel is not a hopeless news it is the good news that is full of hope but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep for as by a man came death and by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead so now we have two men that we're comparing for as in Adam all die and also in Christ shall all be made alive but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So every single human being who's ever been born, every man and woman, every child, every person who's ever drawn breath has been born in Adam. So we have this Adamic nature as we call it. And every one of those people, every man, woman, and child, die. Every single one. 
And so how do you go from being in Adam, where you will surely die, to go from being in Christ, where you will surely live? How do you go from being in someone that you will not be resurrected, to someone that will be resurrected with Christ? The resurrection requires a response. So how do we go from being in Adam to being in Christ? Go with me to Romans chapter 10. I flipped one too many books. Romans chapter 10. We'll start in verse 5. Romans 10, starting in verse 5, says this, For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. <clears throat> but the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, <clears throat> Excuse me, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim because. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let me read that again. Romans 10, 9. I want to simplify it, but we know it's not always as simple. We've got to understand it. If you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him, Jesus, will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so how do we call upon the name of Jesus? Through repentance. Through repentance, through faith. This is how we look to Jesus. This is how we respond through the resurrection, through repentance. The response of repentance is not a simple prayer. It's not a decision card. It's not even through the act of baptism. It's not through church membership. It's not through consistent coming to church your whole life. The only true way to respond in repentance is by faith and recognizing your own sin, that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and trusting that Jesus is the one and only Savior. As simple as that. It's knowing who you are and knowing who Jesus is. So the resurrection should move us to repentance, to understanding who we are, that we are in Adam, that we are heading towards death. That whenever we die, we die for all time. We die for eternity. We die and we keep on dying. And the only way to live and to live eternally is to find life in Christ. And we do that through calling upon the name of Jesus by confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead. That he was resurrected from the dead because if he was resurrected from the dead then everything he said was true. That he is the Son of God. The resurrection should move us to repentance. 
But the evidence of true repentance is a life that is turned from sin and towards Jesus. Because sometimes we just simply say, well, I believe in my heart. I made this decision when I was younger. I had this moment when I was a kid. But do we have a life that is turned away from sin and towards Christ? Is there evidence of true repentance in our life? The resurrection should move us to repentance. Secondly, the resurrection should move us to worship. Not only does the resurrection move us to repentance, but also the resurrection moves us to worship. Worshiping Jesus as King. Now let's go to the passage that we read a little earlier in our service. Matthew chapter 28. Beautiful passage. Passage you can't help but read on Resurrection Sunday. Let's just reread it. Now after the Sabbath, this is starting in verse 1. After the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly, tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers and go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And so what do you see? Whenever, whenever um, Mary and Mary, whenever they see Jesus, whenever they, they, they come face to face with Him after His resurrection, what is their immediate response on this first resurrection Sunday? The resurrection moves them to worship moves them to worship and this is what it should move us to do as well is to worship jesus the king because that is what christ is he is our king he is our lord he is our savior and this is what the resurrection demonstrates that everything that he said to be true is true and he is our king and our sovereign lord jesus is worthy of our worship then now and for all eternity Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says this. You don't have to turn there for the sake of our time this morning, but if you want to jot this down, Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him who is Christ and bestowed on him Christ, the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The resurrection should move us to worship. Now turn with me, though, to Revelation chapter 5. I love Revelation. I've told you, I've been on record. I ain't scared to say this. I'm scared of Revelation. I love Revelation. It's part of God's Word. I'm also scared of Revelation. I'm not really scared of Revelation, but there's 66 books in the Bible, and guess what number 66 is we're going to preach through? Probably Revelation. Revelation chapter 5. 
I'm going to read fast. It's just such a good chapter. Then I saw on the right hand of him who seated the throne a scroll written within on the back seal with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Now, if you've been around, we know who the lion of Judah and the root of David is. That is Christ has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing and as though it had been slain. And with seven horns and with seven eyes, and uh, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. So we get this picture, right? No one's worthy. And then here's Christ who is worthy. And they sing this song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed the people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I look and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering the myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever and the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped the resurrection doesn't just lead us to repentance the resurrection should move us to worship jesus is worthy of our worship then now and for eternity as a kid i probably had the same Reservation as many of you. How how is this heaven thing going to work, right? How am I just going to die and sit in the clouds and just play a harp and you know just worship for eternity? But as I've grown older and I've seen the majesty of Jesus, like I long for eternity. I tell my coworkers all the time, and they think I'm kidding, and now they know I'm serious after a few years. Don't mourn for me. Like if I leave work and I die in a crash, I mean just. Y'all like high-five each other. He's gone. He's out of here. He is, he is not sad. Because it is going to be a great day when I'm in the presence of Jesus, worshiping Him forever. Because the resurrection of Christ should move us to worship. Because Jesus is worthy of our worship. Because Jesus has been resurrected, we should be a people who are moved to worship. And yes... We should sing. Redeem people should sing. Right, Evan? Redeem people should sing of a resurrected king. There, I made it rhyme for you, brother. Redeem people sing of a resurrected king. 
But more than just praise, it should be our whole lives. Worship is not just praise and worship. It's not just singing, although that's part of it. Like whenever we sing before and after, we preach. Whenever we gather on Sunday mornings, whenever we sing at our homes and sing in our cars, and we sing every chance we have to worship Christ through song. But worship is every aspect of our life. As Paul tells us in Corinthians, whatever we eat or drink, whatever we do, we do for the glory of God. If we can't do it for the glory of God, we shouldn't do it. That is the litmus test for everything we do, for the things we say, for the activities we engage in, for the things we purchase for the things we watch, everything should be for the glory of God. The resurrection should move us to worship and the resurrection should move us to repentance. And thirdly, lastly, the resurrection should move us to missions. Should move us to missions. Go back to Romans, if you will. Romans chapter 10. Romans ten thirteen. So we ended a while ago our, our passage. We'll continue there. Romans ten thirteen it says, "For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." What an incredible invitation! For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So the resurrection should not just lead us to repentance and not just lead us to worship, but it should lead us to missions, to going with the gospel, the very gospel that is Jesus, the good news of Christ, the resurrection that validates that gospel should lead us and move us and propel us to the mission. The good news, the great news is that everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. Not just most of them, not just some of them, not just those from certain countries, not just those who, who hear it a certain way or respond a certain way, but all of them. All of those who call upon the name of Jesus will be saved. This is the promise of God's word. But the tragic reality is this, is that not everyone who hears the gospel of Jesus and of his resurrection will respond in faith and repentance. Our call is we're not responsible for the response of everyone. Our responsibility, our call, our mission is to go. That is our responsibility. That is our mission is to go and tell. It should move us to missions. It should move us to go and to share the good news. It should move us to go and proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what are we to do with this mission? Three things. We should pray. Luke 10.2 says, And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. We have a great crowd this morning here at North Hills Church. The laborers are not few. There's no shortage of people that God can use in His mission. There's no shortage of people 
We just need to go. So let's pray. Let's go. Also, it says, let's give. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says, but just as you... But just as you excel at everything in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness in your love for us, see that you excel in this grace of giving. And he's talking about giving in this context of 2 Corinthians 8 as he's talking to the church. And so let's pray. Let's pray for opportunities to go. Let's give towards the mission of, of, of going with the gospel because of the resurrection should move us to missions. And then finally, as we flip back to Matthew 28 and see this wonderful connection, let us actually go. Go with me to Matthew 28. I don't want us to miss this connection here. After Jesus' resurrection, immediately before his ascension, Jesus commanded his disciples, as you go, make disciples. So as you see, as our, we entered our passage a while ago in Matthew 28, 9. It says, Behold, Jesus met them, and he said, Greetings. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. And Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers, go to Galilee and there they will see me. And then we usually just jump to the Great Commission in verse 16. And guess where they're at? They're in Galilee. So this, this resurrection, this resurrection Sunday is actually connected right there to the Great Commission. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. They actually did what Jesus said. You know what? That is a great plan for Christian discipleship. Let me tell you. That is actually the whole model of Christian discipleship. If Jesus says it, you should do it. Okay? Simple as that. He said, meet me in Galilee. They said, okay. So the 11 disciples, they went to Galilee, to the mountain, which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Because what does the resurrection do? It moves us to worship. And also what does it do? It moves us to missions. But some doubt it. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so this resurrection of Jesus is clearly connected to missions. It is clearly connected to the Great Commission. This call of Jesus to go. And so if we believe in the resurrection of Jesus, if we've, if we've confessed in our mouth and we believed in our heart that Jesus has been raised from the dead, then we have to, to believe in this commission, this command to go. The resurrection should move us to missions. It should move us to mission. It should move us to go. And Easter... Resurrection Sunday is not the only time of the year that we should be talking about Jesus, that we should be thinking about Jesus in our life. Every day, we should be seeking to weave Christ into the tapestry of our lives. Is it evident to those around you, to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers, to your neighbors, to your clients, to your, friend, to your, to your schoolmates, to all of those in your life, that you are in Christ and that He is in you? Is it evident that you have been changed by the resurrection of Jesus? Is it evident that the resurrection has moved you towards missions? Is it evident that the resurrection has moved you towards worship? Is it evident that the, that the resurrection has moved you towards repentance? For these things are true. Jesus indeed lived. He died. Jesus rose again. 
It is true that Jesus reigns in heaven. It is true that Jesus will return for his people. The question this morning on this Resurrection Sunday, are you one of those people? If not, the invitation to you this morning is to repent and believe. And if so, the invitation is to worship and to share Christ. Let's pray. Lord, this morning I thank